0: tweet his he hit him with the jab, get a good look. Good look, good look, good look, good look, good look, good luck. ISO zones, breaking bones. Put your hands up when you getting sent home off a good look. Good luck, good luck, good look, good look, good look, luck, good, luck, good, luck, good luck. It's the good look podcast. It's the good look podcast. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the good look podcast. Yes, sir, and welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 41 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney here to give you guys another episode at the Good Look Podcast on my Instagram. Um, That's where you're going to find the links to everything, the audio and the visual portions of this podcast. So thank you guys again for uh, listening, please, on YouTube. Uh, If you're watching, like, rate, comment, and subscribe to the pod. I really appreciate it. And anybody listening to it uh, on the audios, on Anchor FM, thank you again for, for listening. Please uh, rate, send a review, um, like and, and comment, five-star it if you can. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and we got a lot to talk about, guys. Um, and one really big thing we have to talk about, but first, before all that, I wanted to share a bit of personal stuff. Um, I'm going to dedicate this next podcast episode to my uncle, Michael Tony. Um, we lost him over the holidays, and it's been it's been really tough having to deal with that part um, of my life. And uh, but there's a lot of there's been a lot of support from a lot of places that I expected and didn't expect, and it's been so it's been so uh, heartwarming to to have all that support from you guys. So anyone who's listening and you've reached out and anything like that, I, I truly appreciate it. So my me and my uncle love talking about sports, man. Him me and my dad. So. Um, losing him is going to be really tough, but I'm dedicating this episode to him. I wish I could discuss it with him and all the stuff that we uh, talk about from it, but it's all good. I'm going to ride out for him for for the rest of his life and then uh, keep pushing from there. So rest in peace to you, Uncle. I'm going to miss you. Um, before we get into the, the meat and potatoes, um, actually, there's only a couple of topics so far for this this episode so i'm gonna go ahead and and get into them now y'all with uh COVID, it's really starting to make its mark on the league nine games have been postponed so far uh players like jason tatum michael porter jr kevin durant they've all contracted COVID and they've had to sit out for the 10 to 14 day safety protocols and uh, numerous players have had to sit out because of safety protocols it's been tough and the league is trying its best to piece everything together and move forward. There's newer safety protocols that the league put out now that they don't want certain players like fraternizing or uh, being in contact with each other after games, pretty much just play the game and get out. Um, They're trying to be a little more strict in terms of where guys are going afterwards. Um, And it's tough. It's, It's easy to see why it's tough for the league to have to deal with this. The NBA games are pretty much played every other day. Um, for these teams and um, if you skip three or four you're missing a big portion of those games and you're affecting the schedules of everyone else in the league so you can easily see why this is such a problem and I think the general public and sports fans in large are starting to freak out about it a little bit more and don't know what to make of it Um, they think that the NBA should maybe postpone maybe try to go to another bubble I think that the NBA just has way too much incentive not to continue to bully forward. Um, There's just too much money on the line. There's too much money that comes in from local TV for them to not try to push this, push this season as much as they can, especially when there's only six stadiums in the league who only let a fraction of the, the crowd attend the games at home. So it's local money is pretty much the biggest thing that can help these teams. I talked about it last week. They're exploring whether or not they want to, bring in expansion teams to try to to lessen the burden, which is it's going to probably happen, but I already talked about why I don't think that's a good idea. So check out my last pod if you um, didn't hear that. Uh, But yeah, the NBA is going to just continue to soldier on um, and they're going to try to make up these games. It looks bad now. And when it started happening in baseball and the, I believe it was the Florida Marlins got it. And they had to sit players for like a week. And then the St. Louis Cardinals had to do that as well. It it seemed like a mess, but baseball got through it. And baseball, I will say, has a couple other things that are in its favor in terms of being able to play seven inning games and being able to play two games in one day. Like they have that luxury that basketball doesn't. I don't know if the league would ever consider playing two games in one day. Um, That seems a little extreme. And I don't think they would ever consider making the games maybe 10 minutes or some way to make them shorter each quarter. So I don't know what they're going to do in that regard, but they're probably most likely going to have like three games and four nights and maybe give these guys three or four days consecutively off in order to help make them feel better and recover. So I'm, I'm not really sure how they're going to recover, but I know that they're they have too much financial incentive not to keep going. So despite how bad some of these optics look and how people want to blow these things up, they did the same thing with the NFL. And even though the NFL, like baseball, has its own luxuries, they only play once a week. Um, I think basketball is going to get through this. They're just going through a tough stretch right now. But um, once we get more information, once protocols start to be more strictly enforced, I think things are going to start being better. So that's my two cents on it. And we'll see how the, what the future holds for the league. All right, y'all. But the big story today, obviously, what you hear for in terms of NBA talk is the James Harden deal. So, James Harden, I'll run through everything and what each team got. Part of a four team blockbuster trade, the Houston Rockets traded James Harden to the Brooklyn Nets, one of the locations that has been um, heavily rumored for a while now. I believe like four or five podcasts ago, it's like the cover. A one of my pods so it's it's been a rumor and it's finally come to fruition the rockets ended up getting victor oladipo dante exum Rodeons Kurucs, three brooklyn first round picks and four brooklyn first round swaps the swaps are in the odd years 21 23 25 27 and the picks are 22 24 and 26 they also snagged another first round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks in 2022 via the Cavs. The Nets obviously get James Harden, that's it. The Pacers got Karis Levert and a second round pick and Jared Allen and Torian Prince are gonna be headed to the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'll break down each team, um, what they got, what they lost and pretty much how I think they're gonna be moving forward and what I think of these new roster changes for all these squads. So first, we'll start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So first, they lost a, a, they lost a 22, 2022, got to get used to saying that, right? A 2022 first-round pick that originated with Milwaukee. So that's going to be a late-round pick. Um, the Bucks are going to be great again next year, so it's it's not really going to be that big of a deal to lose that pick. And they also get Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So the big get here is J- uh, Jared Allen. Jared Allen is going to be restricted free agent at the end of the year. So for him – that bodes well for him financially. Um, He's in control of his own destiny in terms of how his salary is going to look in his second contract. He's the best center in Brooklyn. Um, DeAndre Jordan kind of was just a placeholder. He's like a placeholder starter. He'd play 15 minutes or whatever, and Jared Allen would bulk bulk out the next 30. Um, But now they've lost that, and now it is Cleveland's gain. For this particular season it doesn't seem like much of a game because now they have so many big men on their roster it feels like they're going to need to consolidate somewhere um, Andre Drummond is clearly the starter at this point he makes the most money um, and at this point in his career he's probably the better player um, but Jared Allen currently is averaging 11 points 10 boards a game he shoots 75 percent from the line so he won't hurt you from there and he's getting about a block and a half per. so Although his offensive game is still a little bit limited, he's pretty much a rim runner, doesn't really have a post game, and he can set solid screens for you. A little thin, but he's still an excellent shot blocker and a guy who can protect the rim for you. So, um, I like what Cleveland's getting out of him, and I think this is what uh, they're looking towards in terms of a future (laughs) centerpiece. No pun intended, as their future center. Um, I think they're Once Andre Drummond's contract is off, he accepted that twenty-eight million dollars player option. Everybody knew that was going to happen, so he's going to be off the books. They don't got to worry about him no more. And Jared Allen looks to be the guy with the brighter future, and most importantly, the for them, the cheaper option at this point. Um, I could see Jared Allen getting somewhere from like four years, like seventy-two, something like that. Joe Harris got eighty. Joe Harris got eighty mil uh davis has got 90 so i think he fits somewhere maybe in the middle of that so or a little bit less um four years 70 would probably be a solid number for him too so um but he's going to get some solid money his first rookie contract is the standard one for most mid first round picks four years 10 so he's going to be looking to, uh, at a pretty substantial pay raise uh, on that next contract so congrats to him um for torian prince um he for a while, he was considered a, a, a pretty solid uh, basketball player and a guy who could, who could be a possible building block when uh, Atlanta had him. And now that he's been traded twice, his stock has gone down. In Brooklyn, he really couldn't find his niche. He was only averaging eight points and three boards in 18 minutes a game. So there really wasn't a lot of time for him. And the time that he did have, he wasn't taking advantage of it too much. So now that he's in... Cleveland it's pretty much a mosh it's a hodgepodge of a roster so I'm not entirely sure where he fits there but if he finds a role he could probably see his value in the league reignite he still has good three and d potential um, and not many forwards can at least on occasion create their own shot hit a three-pointer and play solid defense so I like Torian Prince. I like that he was in Brooklyn as one of their backups because he would just provide solid minutes for them. And now that he's gone, I'm going to talk about Brooklyn's depth in a, a little bit later in the pod, but I liked, I like Torian Prince. I believe um, he could be a role player on a good basketball team. So hopefully he gets an opportunity in, in Cleveland to show that. I don't know where it's going to come from, but. Cause they got Chetty and. They have a bevy of guards they want to play, Isaac Okoro. Um, but Torian Prince should find his way into that lineup, and hopefully he can turn his uh, turn his value up. Cleveland as a whole, I'm not bullish on them at all. After they got off to that strong start, now they're under 500, um, pretty much what was expected. Um, we didn't want to rain on their parade too much, but we all knew what it was. They're dealing with a couple injuries, to be fair, but their roster is pretty limited in terms of overall talent um, at the high end. They have a lot of young players um, who can do some things and Colin Sexton is, is still playing well, but Kevin loves always hurt. So they're trying to get him off their, their payroll and it's hard because he's never healthy, um, um, but they're, they're doing their best to create um, a roster full of young talent. And if any of that young talent breaks out, it's good, whether it's to stay in Cleveland or trade for future assets. Um, it's not the it's not the worst situation to be in. And um, you could probably eventually find a way to either trade Garland or Sexton so you could have a true lead guard and move from there. Um, see if coral can give you anything. Um, look at some of the bigs that are coming up in this next year's draft like Evan Mobley and then players like that. So Cleveland, as bad as you are now, the outlook on it isn't too bad moving forward. So getting Jared Allen out of this deal, shout out to them. All right, y'all. Next up, we're going to go to the Indiana Pacers. Um, and pretty much for them, they got Karis LeVert in the second round pick. But obviously the big thing here is Karis LeVert. They lose Victor Oladipo. So LeVert, when he's healthy, is truly Just one of the best under-the-radar scorers in the NBA. Um, He's averaging 18 a night. Um, He has a bevy of moves that get him into the lane, and he's a consistent attacker of the basket. It's a little what they call herky-jerky. It's not entirely smooth, but the crossovers and the hesies and all those moves get him into the lane, and he's able able to attack the basket. He's more of a slasher than he is a shooter, although he can shoot. He's already had a 43-point game this season. Um, that's when KD and Kyrie are out. Um, but now that he's going to be in a starting role, it seems like he's poised to break out. Damian Lillard had a quote on his Instagram, or not his Instagram, his Twitter, saying that he thinks that Karis Levert's about to go off now. And, and I think so as well. Um, the leading scorer for Indiana right now is Malcolm Brogdon. Um, but Demondus Sabonis has been off to an incredible start. And I talked a little bit about Malcolm Brogdon last week and, how much I appreciate his game and how good he is. And now they're adding a really good young player again to this roster to replace what Oladipo was kind of giving them. Oladipo to his credit was playing better. Um, but he in the off season and in the bubble, there were rumors and he expressed that maybe Indiana wasn't going to be the place for him anymore. Miami saw uh, Miami looked like a really good suitor for them and um, but ultimately, Oladipo is going to be going to a different team to try to recover his value. Um, but in terms of what Indiana gets, I love this move for Indiana. They've already been playing well. I already told you that Sabonis and Brogdon have been playing well. Both Holiday brothers have been playing well. I like I like this roster in terms of how solid they are at all positions. Miles Turner has just turned into a defensive monster, um, constantly blocking shots now. They're they're a good all-around team. Um, their high-end talent isn't there, but they're solid in many areas, much like a, a lesser Utah team, which I'll talk about maybe later. Um, but I like Indiana, and especially in the East with a move like this, top three is definitely within their reach. So um seven and four right now off to a solid start I like what Indiana is continuing to do coach Nate Bjorken has been great so far in terms of how he's opened up their offense and made it more free-flowing um I was a little bit confused when they ended up getting rid of Nate McMillan but it was more of a philosophy thing as opposed to him not being a good coach because Nate McMillan's a good coach but he's more of a defensive-minded guy and Nate Bjorken is a offensive-minded guy so they seem to have found a a pretty good way to to uptick their offense so far, and I like what's going on. So shout-out to Indiana on this deal. All righty, guys. Next up, the two biggest teams involved in this trade. First off, I'm going to start with the team that is now formerly James Harden's team, the Houston Rockets. He was there for seven-and-a-half seasons, won the 2018 Most Valuable Player Award, um, sixth man of the year in OKC before he went to Houston. He averaged 30 points a game three of the last four years, scoring champ multiple times. Everybody knows that resume with James Harden. They're losing him now. But they get the haul of all hauls, ladies and gentlemen, four first-round picks and the ability to swap Four other first-round picks with Brooklyn. It's an absolute haul. No understatement here. They came out like bandits in this deal. Just a refresher for people who uh, don't totally understand what a pick swap is. It's literally exactly how it sounds. So if Houston, for example, has the 20th pick in the draft, and Brooklyn has the 10th pick in the draft, Houston has the opportunity to swap those picks. So Brooklyn doesn't lose all of their picks. They'll just always have the lesser of the pick whatever Houston wants. And Houston's always going to obviously move up on a pick swap. So in the 2010 scenario, Houston would end up getting the 10th pick and Brooklyn would be saddled with the 20th pick. So they get – it's just – they essentially have – control of brooklyn's draft capital for seven seasons all the way to 2027 i'm sorry guys but that's fucking insane they have outright picks in 2022 24 and 26 and the pick swaps are in those in between odd years of 21 23 25 and 27 it's more compensation than the anthony davis deal it's more compensation than the Drew holiday deal uh, it's And it's more compensation than the Paul George slash Kawhi Leonard deal because they got five and, and a numerous, but that was a combination of pick swaps and first-round picks. This is four and four. One of those picks ended up coming from uh, a Cleveland as well. So Houston comes out of this in terms of trying to get compensation for a superstar. I think it's the best compensation I've ever seen in a deal. Um, so even though you're gonna have the Brooklyn Nets be competitive and near the top of the league pretty much for the foreseeable future, look no further than the, <laughs> than the Celtics deal with these Brooklyn Nets just earlier in the decade. Um, I believe it was 2013 when this trade happened when they sent all their aging stars Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry, Paul Pierce over to Brooklyn for a boatload of picks and people thought that was a good idea for Brooklyn. I didn't think it was a good idea for Brooklyn because they had Darren Williams and Joe Johnson at the time. And you thought adding an old ass Paul Pierce and old ass Kevin Garnett was going to do anything for you. That was stupid, but they had a new owner who wanted to try to win right away. It equaled a second round exit and they had to blow it up a year later. So um, that deal, although Boston wasn't able to recoup the benefits right away, it ended up being incredible for them for their future because two of those picks ended up becoming the cornerstones of their franchise right now in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So for Boston, obviously you wouldn't have, you couldn't have asked for a better result from, from trading away those older players to get a future talent like Jason Tatum and a future talent like Jalen Brown. So although Houston, Houston, you're probably not going to reap the benefits of this now. You never know what happens in this league, honestly. KD's only on a 2-1, so he could leave again if he wanted to. James Harden's on a two-year extension. He could leave if he wanted to. And who knows what's going on with Kyrie, which I'll get into in a second. But Houston, um, you're going to reap the benefits of this deal sometime later in this decade. Um, so shout-out to the, to, to the Houston brass. Um, sorry, Paul Silas, or excuse me, Steven Silas had to deal with all the bull um, in his first coaching gig, but hey amen. Now you get to coach and now you don't have to deal with this distraction. You can find a way to try to put your imprint on this team a little bit more um, and, and go from there. Um, in terms of roster construction, um, they have a couple things here. They they did get Victor Oladipo out of the deal. So they do have a chance to rehabilitate his career. He had a couple of 20 point games thrown in, in the early portion of the season. So I you still see some of the flashes that Vic has um, laterally in terms of what he does defensively. That's something that still needs to get improved on and just his overall, uh, his overall basketball game. That's something that still needs to come with time, but you pair him with John wall in the back court, You have a solid backcourt. shooting might be an issue, um, but if Victor can get back to that solid defensive level, um, him and John wall as a front or as a back court, defensively that's really that's pretty damn good and then you have Christian Wood who's been emerging you have Boogie Cousins who's working his way back Um, you got a couple solid pieces here for this team and in terms of competitiveness they'll be better because they just don't have the specter of James Harden being traded his distraction all the questions that come with it Boogie in his last interview was like the disrespect about this stuff happened way before Um, James Harden saying that he didn't think the relationship with Houston could be fixed. Um, So Boogie's pointed words along with Harden saying, I don't think this can work anymore. And Houston holding him out of practice. It all just made sense for them to try to move on a deal as quickly as possible. Um, And this is pretty much what, what came of it competitive wise, they'll be more competitive because like I said, they won't have the distraction anymore um Steven Silas will be able to implement things the way he wants. Um this the keys are totally turned over to John Wall and they can try to do their best to to get Victor Oladipo back in shape. They have they added Rodion's Kurucs and Dante Exum and to me right now those are just throw-ins. Kurucs is a player who could be a solid role player. He had some moments in Brooklyn the last couple of seasons and Dante Exum's just always hurt. So I could see them being solid but they're both at a wait and see point at this time. But once again, I cannot stress to you guys how well Houston came out of this deal, man. We're going to be talking about this um, three or four years from now when we get the dust settled on if the Lakers went back to back or if Brooklyn was able to come through and win a title, or if one of these teams we're not talking about ends up winning a title within the next four seasons. Once that deal is done and we see all the draft compensation and, who knows what kid's going to end up being great in the 24, 25, 26 NBA draft. There's going to be so much that comes from this that we don't know about. And Houston fans, even though you don't have James Harden anymore, um, you should be excited about what the future of this franchise is going to look like. You don't have as many first round picks as OKC, but you have a, a, a stock of really nice picks that are going to be good for you. Uh, to help try to get this franchise back on track so they don't have Daryl Morey at the head of the the front office anymore which is a little concerning um, but if their front office was able to pull off this kind of deal for James Harden then I as a Houston fan would feel good about uh, the direction of our our general manager the direction of our team the owner is a little iffy you know we're gonna, we gonna keep it 100 about that but in terms of what you see going forward, I like what this team's got going. So shout out to Houston, man. If it wasn't for the actual star, I would have said they won the deal, but they still might win the deal. We just don't know how it's gonna pan out. But for right now, the obvious winners of this trade are the Brooklyn Nets. They get James Harden. They get the lethal scorer, the one who's been the scoring champ, one of the most annoying players to watch but still has one of the most lethal offensive games. Him and Durant become the most lethal scoring combo in the NBA. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were probably already that. But now that it's Harden and KD, it's it's an open and shut case. Um, Brooklyn, maybe, who, who knows? With Kyrie, man, I don't know. I've said on this podcast multiple times, I love Kyrie Irving's game. As a basketball player, he's one of my top three favorite players to watch. Cause no one can handle the ball like Kyrie and no one can finish at the rim like Kyrie. It's just absolutely spectacular. As Stephen A would say, he's box office. You go to the turnstiles with your hard-earned money to watch this brother ball. It's that type of stuff with Kyrie. Even even though it's a little hyperbole with him, it's not. Kyrie Irving is one of the best scorers that the league's ever seen. He's one of the most skillful and creative point guards that the game has ever seen. Mercurial is something that's a word that's been attached to him in terms of describing his personality, what he's doing with Brooklyn right now. It's just still really hard to defend, man. I love watching his game, but the stuff he does off the court, it just gets ridiculous. And it's been talked about at length, but still, man, if if you leave for personal reasons and, You start not to, you start not hearing a lot of news out of it. You just hope that the guy's okay. Um, But then it starts to leak out that he ends up going to his sister and his father's birthdays, There's video of him being maskless. And then the, if that wasn't an indictment enough, he, during a Brooklyn Nets game, he's on a zoom call with the district attorney of Manhattan to try to it's a Zoom call. I, feel, uh, I believe it's for an election for the new DA in, in Manhattan, and it's just, what are you doing, man? Like it's, it's a it's a good comparison to make, but it also isn't. I'll explain why in a second. But all of us have regular jobs, man. If we took personal time off, didn't and, but didn't tell our bosses about it, the least we could do is actually take that personal time off to get ourselves right. And not if if we took personal time and then all of a sudden our boss sees us like on Instagram or sees us out just eating food just because with friends, like what's that going to be? That's going that's a firewall offense. If you took the time to do something like that and then you ended up getting caught, you could get fired. So Kyrie doing all this. Being a high level professional athlete, the comparison isn't exactly apples to apples, but it does, it is something that makes sense. You have an obligation to your team, you sign a contract. This is kind of the same stuff that they talked about when he didn't want to talk to the media. It's like, I get it, man, but you sign a contract, it's part of your contract to be available to the media And that is why you make $34 million a year. That's why you make $450,000 every time you suit up for a basketball game. Because of the, to whom much is given, much is tested, man. You have an incredible responsibility or an incredible privilege to play in the National Basketball Association. So you have to do certain things, even if you don't want to. All of us have things in our jobs and our personal lives that we don't want to, but we know we have responsibilities we have to take care of. Kyrie, if he wants to make the world a better place, who's arguing with that? No one is, but he has to do his job first. None of us can pick whether or not we don't want to work on a day and not work on a day and then decide that we also want to do this thing too. We have to find a way to manage both. Or you go all into the other thing and you forget about the other one because going back to his team, it's not fair to his team to not know where he's at, to not know when he's going to be with the basketball team, to not build cohesion with his basketball team. It's not fair to his coaching staff. There's been reports that Steve Nash didn't even know where he was at for the first three four days of this stuff. So it's not fair to the organization who's investing in him, it's giving him his paychecks, who's continuing to expect him to come back and be a dominant player for them. It's hard to keep cap- caping for this dude. Kyrie's one of my guys, man, but he knows what this looks like. You can't just, you can't do these things and expect not to be criticized. He needs to find a way to figure out what he wants to do. Now, this is, I'm going at length with Kyrie because this is really going to affect how Brooklyn is going forward it has so many variables so let's just start with the first one if you have Kyrie and he's all in if Kyrie says you know press conference tomorrow or today or whatever time you hear this pod if he says all right guys I'm in it I'm sorry I was stupid for trying to or trying to shove my responsibilities to this basketball team on the side aside um, I have things that I want to figure out and ways that I want to better the world but I should have gone about it a different way I apologize I'm committed to this team if you get that Kyrie Irving in terms of what happens on offense this is going to be ridiculous and I love that people say there's only one ball you can't have all these guys bullcrap are you kidding me I know it's not the same in terms of what happens in all-star games but I think the better comparison would be team USA team USA they there's such a and all these guys have played together for a while. There's a different level of play when we talk about NBA to Team USA. But if you have three guys who are that talented offensively, who can do so many different things offensively and score for you in so many different ways offensively, you're going to find a way to make those minutes work. There's going to be James Harden, maybe playing for 12 minutes, Kyrie playing for seven, KD plays for nine, take them out, stagger the minutes. There's going to, there's always going to be a 30 point, a possible 30 point score from three different guys on your team. No other roster can boast that. That is incredible. Now, if you get Kyrie, who's kind of wishy-washy, you guard against having him out of the lineup for an extended amount of time because you have James Harden and Kevin Durant. That's the most lethal scoring combo in the league. So you're already good. Just those two. Um, but the other outcome, which actually might help them moving forward, is trading Kyrie. Now, trading him would would be a little bit tough in terms of having to convince Kevin Durant of that. But Kevin Durant, seeing that he vouched for Kyrie and, and did all these things for him and decided that Brooklyn was the right place, if he doesn't see Kyrie as being someone who wants to really be here, you could actually take Kyrie – who makes $34 million and try to get a couple of solid role players for your team and fill out the rest of that roster again, because as of now the rest of their role players are Timothy lualu Cabarro, Deandre Jordan, Joe Harris, um, and some unproven guys. They have a Chris Chioza, Nick Claxton, um, Reggie Perry, but those are pretty much unproven guys or guys you just can't rely on at this point. They're not, as solid as when you had like a Spencer Dinwiddie or a Karis Levert to help run your team, Jeff Green, another guy on that squad. So I would love to see Brooklyn try to, if they're not, if they are going to trade Kyrie, get some kind of big who can protect the paint or a guy who can be a knockdown shooter for you as well, as well as possibly getting another guy in the backcourt who can defend. They've started Bruce Brown in their past couple of games has been a solid defender and he gives you a little bit on offense here and there. I like that they made that change. That's good. Um, They need another player like that, probably at the forward position and a guy who can maybe guard some of the better bigs in the league. If they had like a Serge Ibaka on this team, this would be a no brainer in terms of them being the championship favorite for me. I already think they are. And the reason I said that was because of their depth outside of their two superstars. I loved that they had Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Lavertorian and Prince Jared Allen. All these guys who could help out the two superstars on the team. But now that they decided that we're going to go with high-end talent over depth, most of the time that works in this league. CC the Warriors, CC other t- great teams who have put together uh, immense groups of talent, like the Miami Heat in 2012 and 13. It doesn't always work. Even that team in Miami was 50% in terms of their finals clip. They got to the finals four times, but they only won two of them. It's going to be interesting to see how Brooklyn decides to move forward from here. But they've done a couple of great things. They've guarded themselves from another Kyrie either disappearance or blow up or whatever it may be. You're going to at least have Kevin Durant and James Harden on your roster. And that's an incredible thing to have. If they decide that they're going to trade Kyrie, then you can find a way to build out the depth on the rest of your roster. They have three empty roster spots that they're going to have to pick up anyway. So maybe an Amon Shumpert, a J.R. Smith, one of these guys who's out can end up filling their roster. I might see some more Jamal Crawford on my timeline for no reason. (laughs) Stuff like that. So um, they're going to be – and if you get Kyrie back, man, you have three of the most lethal offensive weapons in the game roll it out there they're the favorites in the east no matter what so in terms of beating the lakers they still have no one to guard anthony davis and lebron is the smartest and best player in the league still so that would be a pretty even matchup i'd still pick brooklyn because i was picking brooklyn before um i'm not as bullish because of oh i'm not as 100 percent locked because of their because of them losing depth but if they're able to find a way to 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 round out their roster a little bit more, then it will just increase my, uh, my confidence in them winning the championship this year. But as you can see, man, with Kyrie Irving and how he acts and what's going on with him, you just never know with this roster. You never know what's going to happen. But that's why this James Harden deal is such a big deal because having James and KD is enough to win a title. They just have to fill out the rest of their roster and we'll see what happens from there. It's going to be incredibly entertaining to watch. I'll tell you that much, guys. Um, Quickly, other teams that are going to be affected by this um, that weren't part of the deal, the Philadelphia 76ers. So they were one of the teams that was rumored to be a landing spot for James Harden. Um, James Harden in the past has spoken about how he wants to play with a dominant big man. And having him paired up with Joel Embiid would have been, it would have made Milwaukee, Philly, and the Nets all at the same eye level in terms of who's going to be coming out of the East. They all would have been eye to eye with each other. And now that Philly only has, they didn't have to give up Ben Simmons or, or Maxie or Thiebel, because those are the guys who are being considered in this deal. They might be able to just concentrate and move forward with their team who was playing well before COVID hit. They had the best record in the East. Excuse me. They were seven and four. And Embiid and Simmons were playing extremely well. The Seth Curry addition was was really well, good. And um, Tyrese Maxey in the game against the Nuggets when he only had – they only had seven players, dropped 39. So he's got a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent on this roster. I would love – I'm sorry. I always get into the Nuggets. If the Nuggets got Mat- Matisse-Thibault. I would love it. But anyway. Um, Philly now doesn't have to deal with the rumors. Ben Simmons – no doubt has heard his name being floated around for a James Harden trade for months now. And I don't think it was affecting him before, but now that there's clarity with this team and now that they know this is it, you're not getting traded. We're not going to try to change everything up. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, you two are our guys. We want to see you move forward with this team and lead us to a championship. I like them. Um, I think they still drop below that that Brooklyn Nets squad because that talent is just so good on that team. Now in terms of the, the three best players, but Philly, um, they've been playing well. And if they continue to get guys back and work their rotations correctly, and hopefully um, for them, it's just getting healthy at this point, they'll be able to, they'll be able to get that record back up again and then find a way to be one of the, um, Top four teams in the East. I still believe that's in their future. And the other team that's affected is the Lakers. Um, Every Laker fan seeing what's going on anytime it's something that's not related to the Lakers or is. Lakers fans will find a way to make it not about them and about them at the same time, because they'll see, oh, man, look what's going on. Brooklyn Lakers in five or these all these guys had to get together just to beat LeBron. First of all, that's not what happens. People think that's the narrative all the time. that teams just try to build up super squads to beat LeBron. First of all, LeBron built up his own team in Miami to do so. So even he recognizes that you need help in order to beat a team. 2014, those Spurs were not a super team. Those old-ass Tim Duncan and all those really good role players and a young, young Kawhi Leonard who were able to beat the Brakes off him in the finals. 2015, that Warriors team was not a super team. Steph led them. Along with Clay and Draymond in their younger years, Steph won his first MVP. And even the reason that that title didn't probably go to Cleveland is because Kyrie and Kevin Love got hurt. 2016, not a super team. They could have, probably should have beat the Cavs. They were up 3-1 and then lost. And then 2017 happens and everyone wants to bust out and say, oh, man, you had to get Kevin Durant. You needed a super team. You needed to stack the deck way in your favor in order to beat LeBron. No, you don't. Those Warrior teams stood eye to eye with them. They were 3-1 with them. And if you're 3-1 against any opponent, you're good enough to beat them. So it's it's a dumb narrative, but it, it is what it is. Um, the Lakers are still the best team, man. It's not, it's not too much shade on them because – I've been growing up in California in my life, so I've heard all the annoying, good, <laughs> annoying stuff, and sometimes cool and good stuff from Lakers fans. But um, do they feel threatened at all by this move? Do they feel like they can just pretty much move forward as 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 they have been already? They're nine and three, best record in the league. I mean, there isn't really too much concern with Los Angeles. The only thing I would watch out for is what they think of Taylor Horton Tucker I think they're gonna feature this guy a little bit more and not just because they want to see him do well for their team I think they want him to showcase his talents off a little bit more because THT is in the rare position to be an unrestricted free agent after this year on a rookie salary the Lakers might be able to get a couple of really good players or one really good player in order to offset all this Brooklyn noise and really put their foot on the necks of the rest of the league. I'm not saying they'll get Bradley Beal because they're not going to, but could you imagine if the Lakers said, we'll give you uh THT, we'll give you Kyle Kuzma. They have to give up more salary. So like KCP or something, and then maybe some future pick swaps that they haven't already given to New Orleans for Bradley Beal and then you have Bradley Beal, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, that'd be ridiculous. You're probably not going to get that to happen, but even if they took Talon, Horton, Tucker, and Kuzma and parlayed it into another solid basketball player, that might be enough to just keep L.A. in the lead for sure. So I'm interested to see how they they move forward from this. I don't think they feel threatened at all. It's just something that they're going to pay attention to. And they're going to want to see if they need to make any moves on the fringes of their roster or if they think they need to make a medium-sized move. They're not going to make a huge move because they don't have to because they're still the best team in the league. But the Lakers are a team you're going to have to watch out for regardless. And now that this trade has happened, you might want to watch them a little bit more. All right, just a quick uh, quick, loop, quick, loop, <laughs> quick look about what's happening around the league. Um, like I said, Lakers are – spectacular and that pacific division is turning into the most competitive in basketball phoenix suns second in the west clippers are really good the warriors are good they're getting it together the only bad team there is sacramento so sacramento is competitive shout out tyree Taliburton. so i like what that division is bringing in terms of competition i wish divisions in basketball meant more um they don't really but in terms of Top to bottom, that's probably the most competitive division in basketball. The Mavs get Porzingis back. They did well. Luca in his last game went like 34-13-9 and nine and had four blocks or four steals or whatever. And it was a, a stat line that hasn't been matched since like LeBron in 2010. So Luca having his running mate again with him is going to be nice. It's going to continue to open the floor for him. So – and it's – having Porzingis was the reason why the Mavs – um statistically had the best offense of all time in terms of rating last year so um he's gonna be, he's dearly missed and it's gonna be nice to see how dallas continues to go moving forward from here um and like i said about the jazz a little bit ago they quietly is seven and four they've been playing really well utah's donovan mitchell and and, and bogdan bogdan or boyan bogdanovich haven't been playing well um haven't really been shooting the ball that well so they've had guys like Mike Conley who stepped up from the subpar year last year and played well. Jordan Clarkson has been playing well, um, and they're continuing to play their stellar defense. Right now, they're fifth in the league in opponents' points per game given up, and third in the league in opponents' field goal percentage. So Utah has been great, um, and I like what they're doing so far. I think, but unless Donovan Mitchell truly makes a leap, leap. Um, it's kind of like what's been going on with Denver in terms of what's going on with Jamal Murray. Everyone's hyped on him in the bubble, and he's gone back to being his own old, inconsistent self. Donovan Mitchell's pretty much the same thing, and I, I don't like that these guys think they can just turn it on in the postseason. It's not how the league works. The best players in the league do it consistently on a night-to-night basis. Their team can rely on them for a certain amount of points or a certain amount of production. And Donovan Mitchell has been better than Jamal Murray at that. But especially Jamal Murray, I don't know what's going on with him. Actually, I do. It's what I've always known. But Donovan Mitchell, he's shooting only 41% on the year so far. So he needs to get that tick back up. Um, And and, and pretty much from there, if they can get their production up, you already have a couple other guys stepping up for that team. Utah's going to be dangerous. They're not going to win a title but they'll make it uh, serious competitive with a team in the second round. So I'm gonna ahead and give the Jazz a little bit of love. And there it is, y'all. Appreciate y'all again for listening. This was episode 41 of the Good Look podcast dedicated to my uncle, my Uncle Tony. I love you. I miss you. Always going to miss you. Uh, appreciate you for everything. Um, always supported me in everything I did. So thank you. Unk. Thank you guys out there for listening at El Pinkney. Um, on Instagram and Twitter at the Good Look Podcast, aka Agent P, as well. Um, like, rate, share, and subscribe to the pod, um, YouTube channel, comment, all that stuff, guys. Good Look Podcast. Good Look Podcast. The Good Look Podcast. Gonna hit you guys again next week for a new episode. We're gonna get some Brooklyn ball with James Harden. It's gonna be crazy again, once again, guys. So thank you again for listening. Hope you have a good Good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. It's the good luck podcast. It's the good luck podcast. It's, it's the it's the it's the it's the good luck podcast